This is the Nexus. It holds together the northern land of Boletaria. Thou canst not exit the Nexus, but each of the five arch stones will connect. Hi, Richie. Hi, Sin. Hi, Casative. Hi. Hi, Redgrave. Hello, how are you? Hi, everyone. And welcome to our three-part series called Nexus is a Prison. And right now we're going to talk about part two, the old one and the maiden in black. Yay. Hooray. I just had a vision. Go on. Here comes the maiden in black. <laughs> I'm sorry? So, let's first start by talking about the old one. Okay, there's a lot to talk about there. But... Yeah. Big old evil tree. <laughs> well, evil is, a, evil is a bit of a leap. <laughs> so, Theomini, could you tell us about the old one's general appearance? It's a tree. <laughs> like, it's a tree, and that is a long-standing FromSoft trope of trees being freaking weird mm. and the source of a whole lot of stuff happening in games. So the old one being a tree, which is why the Istariel is wood and, and like the talisman of beasts is made out of like wood and because it's, it's like branches that have fallen off of the old one. The old one is a tree, just like how in shadow tower you're in a tree, how the first Kingsfield boss turns himself into a tree and how everybody in Dark Souls ends up becoming a tree and there's trees everywhere. It's, it's a long-standing FromSoft trope. The old one is a tree. It is a tree, yes. But like the Souls games and excluding Bloodborne, which doesn't have it as much, but Demons and the three Dark Souls games have a lot of Nordic influence, like a significant amount of Nordic influence in them. And the idea of the world tree, which as... Theomini mentioned is something that FromSoft does a lot, um, is very evident in Demon Souls in particular, um, like to the point where there's like tree motifs on a lot of things. And the idea of God creating a tree that connects mankind to the realm of magic is very much in line with like Yggdrasil and, uh, and that sort of thing. To to explain a bit more about FromSoft's use of trees generally, it departs a lot from, from the Nordic influence you mentioned. It's um, the reason why the first Kingsfield boss turns himself into a tree is because he is sucking the life force out of Earth and using it to fuel his magic to use against your person. Uh, the Shadow Tower Abyss spaceship tree is like growing upside down because the sun, which is another soft trope they love using here and there burns its leaves off there's a lot the FromSoft use of a tree isn't as much a connection as it is used in Sekiro because Sekiro uses very specific Japanese mythoses but sucking light the life force out of earth is usually the center of that FromSoft trope like there there isn't a whole like it's not so much a bridge 
as it is in soy sekiro or nordic mythology but like trees suck that life force out and that is that's a long standing trope in how they use the tree motif in most of their games well but also fromsoft is not a monolith and it's uh oh do we lose sinclair i wondered why it was so quiet hi uh are we good to keep going yeah it'll keep recording uh, yeah, we're good. But is Rich still here? Yes. Y- yeah. Can you hear Richard? I can hear you fine. Can you hear Richardson? Oh no, I still can't hear Richie. Wow, you two still can't hear each other, eh? It's not so different from normal. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Three hours later. Okay, so I was just going to say in response to Theomini that I don't. I I, I think. Thinking of FromSoft as a monolith, as much as we like to believe they are, is not really fair to them. And in Dark Souls in particular, trees are depicted as being something that was there from the very beginning, uh, before the sort of soul-sucking and, and the humanity sort of stained the earth. And I think you're looking at something kind of similar in Demon Souls. Um, and I think the idea that the old one is purely a parasitic force isn't entirely accurate because we also draw power from it in order to specifically use the soul arts and it's a requirement is that the old the old one be awakened it's a balancing force yeah well yeah. i'm not i'm not saying fromsoft is a monolith but after having played a crap ton of their games they really reveal how much they like referring to themselves, referring to specific tropes they have established for themselves since the beginning. That's definitely true. Referring to all of that and echoing that throughout their games, because you can find those echoes in pretty much all of them. Yeah, they do have like, um, there's they a They have very... a very specific design style and Yeah, I was going like to say, they have, a, they have a house style. Yeah, yeah, and they definitely have a yeah. self-referential style, as you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much what I'm talking about. They like referring to themselves a lot. And, like, the fact that, that you mentioned that we take our soul arts from the tree, also known as the old one, is definitely an echo from Kingsfield Zero, where the king is using himself as a tree to, like, suck magic out of the earth and use it for his own ends. But, like, he sucks it out of the earth, whereas the old one is like the source of it, if you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. that's, that's the twist that they're using there, but it's definitely an echo from, like, say, Kingsfield Zero, which makes sense if we talk about Demon Souls as the spiritual successor of Kingsfield. Initially, yeah, it got less, less so after Miyazaki came on board, but initially it was very much like a, we're going to make a third-person Kingsfield. Well, let's, let's talk about, like, let's back up a little bit. Miyazaki proved himself to be a capable director. With four answers. Yes, because back in the day, Armored Core was the crown jewel of FromSoft. Yes, absolutely. So they gave him fourth generation um, Armored Core. So like four and four answer are both his directing. Um, Uh, Is four... Yeah, I, no, I think it. I think it's just four answer. I, I believe four answer. Yeah, I know four answer for sure. His directorial debut, right? So, like fourth generation is basically his. Yeah, 
But yeah, Armored Core is the, it was the crown jewel. Now, yeah. let's back up a little bit, even a little further back uh, to Kingsfield 4. Shinichiro Nishida, who still works for FromSoft, by the way, um, was the executive producer of Kingsfield 4. And there is an um, interview on the AgeTech website, which you have to use the Wayback Machine to get. And they were very particular in saying that they were very specific that the PlayStation 2 was at a place, graphically and, and technologically, so that the actual crown jewel of FromSoft could be put onto that platform. So they were very protective of the Kingsfield IP. So understanding that they gave this new director his hit the cutting of his chops on Armored Core and proved themselves successful, then they they were like, well, we don't know what to do with this this Kingsfield stuff we're doing with, so do you want it? So he took it and made it Demon Souls. So like the echoes of Kingsfield are there in Demon Souls. And like, you know, some of some of that is uh pretty neat. <laughs> so that's a long winding road in, in like from soft history there, I guess. But yeah. So the old one is a tree. Long winding road back to, yes, the old yeah. one is a tree. <laughs> Can I talk about the the kind of similar tree thing in Armored Core Four Answer? I need to replay Four Answer. I haven't played it since it launched. I have Four Answer. I have it somewhere. I don't know where it is, but I have it somewhere in my on my shelf. I, I also to, have I Verdict Day, so if you wanted to play together, let me know. And <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep that in mind. So I, I was going to say that um, the way that the Soul Arts and the old one works is actually very similar to what Four Answer does with what the game calls Kojima Particles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because in that game, you have this, your mechs have this ability that they didn't have before, which is derived from this stuff called Kojima Particles that's all floating around in the atmosphere. And it's discharged from these enormous things called Kojima Reactors that look like big, big tree things, they look like a giant sort of like concrete and metal tree. Mm-hmm. And it's very similar to the situation with the old one and the soul arts where this is this enormous source of power, but by awakening it, you're actually killing the world because the world is simultaneously dying from too much Kojima. Too much Kojima. <laughs> yeah. They could have picked another name. They could have picked another name. No, it is, it is actually a reference to Hideo Kojima. Like it is legitimately a reference to Hideo Kojima. Really? Well, I mean, this yeah, why? Yeah. It's, in it's, com- it's very long and complicated, but it kind it kind of is a reference to to Hideo. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's in the art books. Most of the lore for Armored Core is unfortunately in the art books. Yeah. So, and, and yeah. so we were talking about FromSoft as as yes or no a monolith, and you know that's up for debate. Miyazaki, however, is absolutely a monolith. He has themes and ideas that he likes to put in all of his creations. And uh, that idea sort of as there is a power source that has been awakened and you can use it to do fantastical things, but it's also killing the world, is a very common motif in 90s and early 2000s Japanese fiction. Mm. Um, like uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake just came out. And yeah. like that is, that is the f- fundamental, you know, yeah starting point for that game and those are the kinds of that's the kind of media that he was taking in when he was deciding to become a game director he was playing the ueda games yep. which definitely have that kind of idea in it 
that kind of thing going on. And so he has those ideas that he likes to put in pretty much all of his games to the degree of which, like, you can read a plot summary for his game, for one of his games, and even if you don't know he made it, like, you can be like, this is probably a Miyazaki game. Yeah. Yep. It's what a lot of the Souls-likes not, don't get as much. Well, get relative, but because, like, that's particular to his taste. But, like, you look at everything going on in Sekiro, and it just, it oozes with Miyazaki's influence all over it. From, from things flowing downwards into, like, you know, sinking filth, and then, like, you know, the writhing vermin spewing forth from the infected and corrupted people. It's just, it's incredibly dripping with Miyazaki's influence. Yeah. Yeah. Although I think I think Miyazaki like loves some of the old FromSoft games too. Yeah, They're absolutely. So, like Kuan is also stagnation Kuan, and yeah, literally, of... <laughs> literally that, and it's it's pre Miyazaki. It's like yeah. when Miyazaki was still at Oracle when that came mm. out. And like Nin- Ninja Blade as well, that has people turning into monsters because they have centipedes in their bodies. Like it's right. Lady yeah. Fujiwara's neck becomes a literal yeah. centipede. Like. It's actually kind of fun to go back and, and play or look at Kuan in a post-Dark Souls world and be like, why does this control? This controls exactly like Dark Souls. Like you have mm-hmm. the spell, like the magic system in Dark Souls 1 is, or in Demon Souls, the magic system is taken pretty much straight yeah. out of Kuan, um, which is kind of interesting. Kuan, Kuan and Shadow Tower Abyss share the same control style. Does it? I, I, yes. Yeah, I haven't played Shadow Tower Abyss. Shadow Tower Abyss is default is the Kingsfield controls, but Type Four and Four Inverted are the Souls controls. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. So basically, the old one has a tree consistency, like it's a bunch of branches or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it seems oh, to be yeah. hollow on the inside. Yes. Yes. It is. Yeah. Why? Um, can you be more specific? Because it's it's like a big it's like just a big sucking thing. So you can just walk like you could walk inside like a whale's mouth if you wanted. It's just like it's really big. Yeah, because yeah. I mean in addition to being a tree, it's also an animal. Right? Yeah. It's like a whale. It's like a Yeah. Yeah. Cause at some point we find King Allen living inside it. Mm-hmm. As a the bug, remake, by the way, whatever he's he's become, yeah, in a, in a manner very similar to what they do later on with Bed of Chaos, yeah, yeah. And um, Kaysidiv, is it you're the Shadow Tower person? So is it is it the first Shadow Tower where you, it's like a very similar ending with the king has like melted into this weird blob man? Shadow Tower and Shadow Tower Abyss are not in the same continuity. So Abyss yeah. is kind of uh, like a a reboot. So I know Abyss way more than I know the original Shadow Tower right. because I've still got to finish Shadow Tower on my PS3. Um, but like, so it's different in Abyss. The, the king that they're talking about in the opening cinematics becomes a monster in uh, the Red Sand world and he tests you. And then Ludufan destroys the spear that, you're, that is the MacGuffin. In Shadow Ta- the original Shadow Tower, the MacGuffin is a crown. Um, but the tree itself, its heart, in a very Latria moment, is the final boss because it is it's it's framed exactly like Latria, and it is framed exactly like um, the heart of Mensis. Um, 
So, like, it's two different final bosses in Abyss, so. So, like, the, the king you're talking about becomes a monster who, te- who tests you because power is, a th- is a, like, a theme and how power is deified is a theme in Abyss. So, it's a little bit different. So, Kiyomini, you mentioned that King Alan is living in the old one as a bug? Yeah, he's a bug. He's kind of like, um... He's a grub, kind of, that you find in trees. Like, if you, like, knock over a dead tree, there's a bunch of bugs inside, and he's, like, one of them, and it's very similar to the bug that you find at the heart of the Bed of Chaos. He's he's not very insect-like. He's He's more like a maggot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought he looked like a frog. <laughs> well, he's got like he's got he's got limbs. Yeah. You can see he has like he's, two he's gotta, arms he's, he's sort of dragging himself around yeah. on. Yeah. He's got to hold he, the sword, but yeah. And he kind yeah. of drags Soulbrand around behind him. Or Demon Brand. He drags Demon Brand. It's Demon Brand. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Oh, and the old one is very big. Very big, yes. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. human sized. He's more than human sized. Oh yeah. Oh, we're talking about the old one. I was still yeah. thinking about a lot. <laughs> still <laughs> thinking about a lot. Sorry. Yeah, the, the old one is a very large creature. <laughs> why? Why is the old one so big? It's gotta suck up all them souls. He he had a very healthy breakfast. Yeah, you know, <laughs> drinks a lot, drank a lot of milk, grow. <laughs> grow big and strong it's another um very armored core thing where it's introduced Mm -hmm. like very slowly like gliding downward and it has birds around it for scale which is like that's how you'd introduce like an aircraft carrier or a mecha or something it's not really how you typically introduce a fantasy monster Ueda also introduces things yeah. like yeah. birds too. Birds yeah. for scale is a very common thing. Whenever you have, like, as soon, it's one of those things where as soon as you hear about it, it's one of those tricks, like those uh, those visual tricks that as soon as you know about it, you start seeing it everywhere, yeah. which is whenever something is supposed to be, this is really huge, you always see a couple birds, you know, like sprinkled around it just to give you a sense of scale as to how enormous it is in the sky. Yeah, and like, like something we've talked about before is like the way that the arch demons in Demon Souls they play out a lot. Like, um, not necessarily the arch demons, but the demons, like in general, they about half of them kind of play out like the bosses in Four Answer. Like, they're like a big like mech yeah. thing. Yeah, that's got a very specific weakness. Yeah. The most identical, and the adjudicator too. Yeah, also. St- Storm King being basically just like like. There's a it's boss. an aircraft carrier. Yeah, it's an aircraft carrier that's dis- and like phalanx being this like central core that's surrounded by drones that sort of protect it. Yeah, and yeah, and like it's basically nine ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the way that the old one is introduced, it's almost like this is like a craft that is landing, and you're going inside of it to like meet the core. It's not necessarily the way you would introduce like an act. Like if you were thinking of a, a fantasy Leviathan creature, you wouldn't necessarily right. introduce, you'd have it like rise up out of the ocean or something like that, but they have it sort of like silently sort of land from the sky. Like very quietly and delicately. Yeah. yeah. And I do think Forancer and Demon Souls are on the same engine, if I'm not mistaken. They are not. I don't believe they are. 
because it would explain how it, it explains how floaty everything is in Demon Souls. Yeah, I, I don't I think it, there, it I possibly like forked off the same in-house engine. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure like Armored Core and Kingsfield when they started, that's the same engine because it's like yeah, it's it like has- on Moonlight's. It's on the yeah. Moonlight engine, Moonlight Sword engine. Yeah, I think, are, are all of their PS1 games on the same engine? Like, yes. it's three yeah, completely yes. different genres. Yeah, that's great. Yes, yeah. Yes. And you can make your own game, too, if you can find a bin queue of the Sword of Moonlight engine. Because they did release it, the general public. You, too, can make Kingsfield 1. And yeah. then Although you could probably just do it better in Dreams it, now. Because it's not yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like, Unity. or. Yeah. Yeah. FromSoft, ahead of the curve since 1998. <laughs> no, no, ahead of the curve since about 2006-ish. Very behind the curve before that. Ouch. <laughs> okay, thank you. So Demon Souls has a pre-intro in which we see words on the screen, but there's no narration. So, Richie, could you please read that narration? <laughs> you, you were going to say, as soon as you're like, if you see what I was like, Richie, can you please read? And then it'll be some... Yeah. Oh. I'd like to point out as well that, like, not 24 hours ago, I was recording Demon Souls narration for someone else. Oh, yeah, for the Vati contest? For, for, yeah, because... Uh, a guy Shadow Fang who won one of our art contests is due. He's entering a Vardy's Demon Souls art contest, and he wanted me to do his trailer narration for him. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, could you please read the mm-hmm. highlighted text I mm-hmm. sent you in your best pirate voice? You love the pirate voice, don't you? Pirate voice. People love the pirate voice. <laughs> what is the pirate voice? I haven't heard the pirate voice. Yar. <laughs> Oh, Lord have mercy. Oh, boy. On the first day, man was granted a soul and with it clarity. On the second day, upon earth was planted an irrevocable poison, a soul-devouring demon. Press start button. Well, thank you for having me, Sam. It's been a pleasure. Um, <laughs> just, wow, look at the time. I really have to look. I didn't know they casted you as Don't Stockpile Thomas, Richie. <laughs> no, that sounds like Andre. That's the worst part. It just sounds like a bad impression of Andre. The one it I did for the Vardy contest is Bad Stockpile Thomas. <laughs> it may even be out by the time this comes out. Oh my god. So, the irrevocable poison, the soul-devouring demon. That's the old one, right? Yes. Uh, probably. Since you're saying probably Redgrave, what else do you think that could be referring to? Well, it is not, it's not explicitly, I say probably only because it's not explicitly stated to be the old one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it depends on where you fall in the god is or is not the old one scale of Frake versus Urbane. Um, mm. So I, I say that only because it's, Potentially not. Um, it could be, you know, theoretically, the soul-devouring demon could be the maiden in black who quite literally has the power to devour souls. Um, mm-hmm. So, just as a potentiality. But yes, it is most likely referring to the old one. 
Yeah, I, okay. I would say like um also I think I think it, you have to keep in mind that like this is as you were saying it's the pre-intro. It's meant to be the first thing that you see. Yeah. The whole discovering like Alant woke up the old one, you gotta go find the old one, and then you find out the old one is God and all that other shit. That happens at the end of the game. So like this is not something you're you're not supposed to have that amount of context at this point. Right. And I think like like that's not um it's not attributed to anyone. It just appears on screen. But I assume because of the way it was written, it's maybe meant to be like one of the the verses or something of the church that unknowingly do worship the old one as God. Right. And so and yeah. it's it's not it's it's difficult whenever it comes to the FromSoft games as like you have to take something as to use the the literary term word of God, mm. which is the idea that something has to be a reliable narrator, right? Like, you know, if you take Dark Souls, for example, in Dark Souls, it's like, you know, that introduction where it talks about Lord Gwyn or when the old woman talks about Lord Gwyn, like you have to assume that she's not trying to trick you yeah. or lie to you or deceive you. Because, and you have to assume that the item descriptions, when they're talked, when they're um, in a third person narrative manner, you have to assume that the, those aren't lies. Yeah. Because if you if you start to cast doubt on objective narration, then pretty much everything falls apart because it becomes completely open to speculation, and there's no grounded way to assess uh, anything really. And that Dark Souls intro narration actually does something with that because it is omniscient and it is like correct in the way it's it's told and then when it comes to the prophecy of the chosen undead it's it's prefaced with it's written that like this will happen but it is just saying it's written it doesn't say it's necessarily true it's just that the fact is that it's in Mm -hmm. writing so that's how i take this this is like someone who is researching the soul arts two quick questions before we move on one, FromSoft used to put prologues in their manual, and since I can't, it's not in their official website, like all the other manuals they have, is there a prologue in the Japanese Demon Souls? Cause it's not, not that I know of. I don't think there is. Because that, that was a thing. I don't believe that, I don't believe there is, but I could be wrong. It's not so, that something I know. that we brought up with um, Loki when he was on is he said there is a ton of like prologue and scene setting material that's on the old English website that no longer exists, but he had to rescue it. So I think yeah. that's yeah. the equivalent. Yeah, it's probably the equivalent because they used to put a lot of prologue material. There's stuff like that for Bloodborne too. Yeah, well, like you wouldn't if you played the original like. Shadow Tower or something, you wouldn't get that the guy just wanted his grandmother's cooking. So when you saw the like the now loading screen, you'd be like, "Who is this old woman?" Because it's not, it's not in the game itself. But like, yeah. So that's why I was wondering if they had a like a longer prologue because my Demon Souls copy is all the way over there and I'm too lazy to go look. But not in the manual or anything like that. There was stuff that they did in promotional material, similar to what they did with Bloodborne, which is like you know now that we have data mined and looked at a lot of the stuff we kind of know the history of that but going into bloodborne this there was this idea that you're you're traveling to yarnum to cure an illness you have but when you actually look at the finished game there's none of that is in there there's yeah. no reference to that whatsoever um but it's just something everyone knows because it was like on the on you know bloodborne.com yeah. 
mm. or whatever. I, I, I forget. Yeah. Miyazaki said that in, in an interview before it came out that that was the plot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and this was before the the cosmic horror thing, the cosmic horror twist had been revealed. So when you looked at all the promotional material, it was nothing but werewolves and vampires. Uh, because it was sort of a bait and switch. Yeah. So I was just wondering if there was something like that with demon souls, because it was very common of them to put like setting material outside of the game. Yeah, not not that I know of. Lo- Loki will know, but he will ask him next time we talk. I guess I, I have I have the demon souls manual somewhere in my apartment. But. It's weird how it's not in the the Japanese FromSoft website, but yeah. So some believe that the old one is literally God, and some believe that God put the old one on Earth. Right. So King Alon says that God created the old one. And the idea that on the first day man was granted a soul and with it clarity, on the second day upon Earth was placed an irrevocable poison, aka the old one, um, are two are two things that conflict with Frake's assertion that uh, the old one is God, and the talisman of beasts, which Theomini mentioned earlier as being a branch of the old one, um, states that the symbol of the church and the old one are one and the same. Um, a lot of people have taken this to make the conclusion that there is no God in Demon Souls, and that the God everyone is talking about has just been the old one all along. I think that's probably the most boring interpretation, and I, and I, I don't mean that like critically of people who believe it, but the idea that Frake is right, Urbane is wrong, is a very nihilistic view that the other games don't really have, in that, you know, like, when it comes to, is Framped right? Is Koth right? Well, they're both kind of assholes, you know? (laughs) And it kind of conflicts with thematically, and I just find it to be kind of the more, the most boring interpretation is that there is no God, God, the old one is God, Sage Frank is right, St. Urbane is wrong. I find that personally to be uninteresting. And I find it more interesting, the idea that the old one serves as this sort of focal point and this locus between the God of demon souls, the sort of omnipresent, like almost, almost Christian God, monotheistic god of demon souls and the the material world let me ask a quick question because i referenced this earlier as a thing i'm working on with regards to shadow tower abyss but let's put it to a demon souls context because it it seems to have followed the same sort of thematic throwaway although i think demon souls comes to separate conclusions um power as your as the route to deification that which is powerful is unknowable and therefore is 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 something to be deified. What do you think the game is concluding towards with regards to like Urbane and Freight, both de- both in their own ways kind of deifying the, the old one in different ways because it's powerful? What do you think the game is trying to say about how people deify that which is unknowable? You mean like in a in a moral sense? Like, what is it trying to say about that? I think in any sense, because like, if I if I go back to like STA, you have all of these sometimes crude and rudimentary societies that have grown up in their floors, unknowing that they are inside of a spaceship tree, 
waiting for God and and basically waiting for Godot, actually. And um, God is only God because he is powerful. Right. Now, in Demon Souls, the old one is God because it is powerful. Um, so, like, what do you, like, but I think Demon Souls comes to separate conclusions that STA does. So I just wanted to put that question to you guys. Well, Demon Souls comes to the conclusion that the the conclusion that the majority of fiction in humankind in our history comes to, which is that power is dangerous, it corrupts you, it makes you do terrible things in order to keep it, attain it, and gain more of it. Bring more souls, slayer of demons, is what is the final line Mm -hmm. if you choose the ending in which you kill the maiden in black. Does it make you God, though, because you prove that you are able to destroy, to slay all these demons? Well, it depends what you mean by God. Well, yeah, that, that's one of, like, that's part of the question. What do you, what does the game mean by God? The game refers to God as in a, as a religious, all-powerful figure that created everything. Mm-hmm. And it also refers to the old one as an actual physical thing that is there. It's over there. Like, I can see it. It's right there. Right. Um, it's a physical presence that is so powerful that it is godlike. Do, um, these, do these rudimentary and myopic societies that you meet in Demon Souls via Urbane and Sprake conflating the old one with God because they don't know any better and the old one is powerful? Yeah, I would agree with that. I would also say something like that. Ur- Urbane kind of denies that. Urbane clings to an ideal, even in even as he succumbs to despair at the very end, he kind of clings to an ideal of a loving, all-powerful, omnipresent, uh, sort of Abrahamic God. Right. Like, because you've got the Istariel, which is also a piece of the old piece of the old one, which you have to get from white white world tendency. I had to make think about whether it's character or world tendency. It's it's world tendency. Yeah. So like the Istariel is basically a, a stick off of the old one that has magic on it, and there's a couple. I think there's a couple other hard to get weapons that are also from the old one that are related to Urbane's belief system. Yeah, I mean the the not to say twist. It's not really a twist, but the the twist of the and this is the reason why. I think the idea of item descriptions as a place to give lore, I think this is where it comes from, is the Talisman of Beasts, which is mm-hmm. the only real item description in Demon Souls that has any significant lore impact to it, which is like the, the revelation that the miracles and spells are the exact same thing. You're just using them differently. Um, and that's uh, sort of an idea that is, is common in, in a lot of fiction whenever you have sort of a um a pull between science and magic or a tug of war between science and magic is this sort of idea that like you're you're both using the exact same thing you just call it different things so let's think about like urbane if we accept that urbane and freak don't know any better and conflated the old one with god because the old one is powerful what do you think the game the game is um lesson for the player is because of that. Uh, I, I don't know if the game has a lesson to teach the player about that in particular. I think it definitely, like most 
of like most of specifically Japanese fiction, it has a message about being wary of absolute power and mm-hmm. to be wary of organized religion, which is right. a very common theme in Japanese fiction. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it seemed really too close to, for me not to ask because of what I'm working on with SDA. And SDA asks very similar questions mm. about yeah. the nature of power and who gets to wield it and like what that says about the people who deify and yeah. worship that sort of power. Yeah. So modern yeah. modern Japanese fiction is and I'm generalizing here, but modern Japanese fiction tends to be very, very critical of organized religion. And very critical of believing in something because of a religious hierarchy that has instructed it and passed it down. It's a very common you look at the vast majority of modern Japanese fantasy. Um, and science fiction. Attack and dethrone God? Yes, actually. <laughs> yes, yes, actually. Like, the the joke of every JRPG ending with you killing God, like, that comes from... That comes from real... thing. <laughs> that comes from Xenogears. Like, the, the, it's a real thing in their fiction. Um, because in the mid-90s, Gnosticism was incredibly popular, and so was uh, the Kabbalah was incredibly popular in Japan and I'll, there was a lot of criticism of specifically western organized religion because it was this it was it was and it, it's it's interesting in a manner um there's a quote and I'm paraphrasing here by the creator of Helsing which is an anime uh, basically about vampires and the church and it's basically him saying, like, oh, I don't, I don't actually know anything about Christianity. I just kind of like the aesthetic. And yeah. it's interesting to me because that is oftentimes how Western creators and developers sort of view Eastern mythology and Eastern fiction, which is just like, oh, I don't really know much about Buddhism. I just think it looks cool. And a lot of Japanese modern media is both influenced by and critical of Western organized religion. So since we're talking about it, could you please explain what's eschatology? Uh, eschatology is the branch of theology, or the, the not branch of theology, but the component of theology, theology meaning study of religion, study of spirituality, um, that is concerned with the end of the world, or Judgment Day, the apocalypse, uh, anything having to do with um, the end times is, refer- is, is under the umbrella of eschatology. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Do you think it's it's notable then that like the the eschatology of the Souls games like there sort of isn't one really it's just this like I was talking about this the other day but like the they all seem about games about sort of inhabiting somewhere like between two two binary points and then nothing actually seems to really start or end even when it's super apocalyptic. Right. So like when you talk about there being a, like a, what is it teaching the player? I, it's like, it doesn't actually have that sort of like didactic 
element to it really because like we were saying like um you know it's just sort of it just demonstrates people doing things they shouldn't be doing and it blows up in their face but it's yeah, not, and, and yeah. none of the five souls games really have a conclusion either yeah yeah that's what i was they're all they're all yeah, left yeah. in this in this kind of like just sort of half finished state kind of intentionally yeah so i think like getting back to the question of like god within this universe is that something that i i was getting at when i talked about like eschatology and the souls games is that when we think of like the way that's written at the beginning, like on the first day, on the second day and everything, that makes it sound like it's written as though that's actually the absolute beginning of everything, like the book of Genesis stuff. Yeah. And if you actually look it, at the way that it's demons, pretty much taken yeah. word for word from the book yeah. of Genesis. Yeah. And even the way it's described is almost like, you know, we've, you've taken the apple of knowledge, you now have this knowledge and that's led to this sin. That's the same. In this case, this knowledge is the soul. It's giving you clarity, but it's also producing the old one. But like, um, the the worlds that they've presented, like the Dark Souls world, even though that has that narration at the beginning, like the souls and the the age of the different ages of the world and everything, that's not the beginning of time. It's not the beginning of the universe. That's like there was already a bunch of shit going on before, like Gwyn shows up, before the first flame shows up. It yeah, was and Dark Souls Three makes that even more explicit yeah. in the and, sense and, that oh, all of this is just one cycle that has happened a million times. And already. when it ends, it doesn't end; it just keeps going. Like, right. yeah. So it's it's not the great story of like the beginning and the end of the world. It's just one chapter in this thing that's constantly evolving and pulling in different directions. So, yeah, the notion of there being like a god in the Demon Souls universe, like what would that even be? Because to me, like, the way it actually plays out, it's, it almost feels like the soul and the old one just produce each other. It's just this, like, you know, dialectical relationship when there is a soul, the old one is sort of like, they're just two ends of a continuum that's always around, rather than them being actually created. Yeah, like, the, yeah. the one, the one one final point for me is like Western Western eschatology supposes that there is a plan. Yes, that it doesn't exist in Japanese eschatology as it as it like exists today. Like it's not there is no plan. God does not have a plan for us like it does in Western eschatology. Like we're just part of part of it, and there is an end, and there's no plan. And it's kind of random. And I know humans hate randomosity, but that's that's kind of it. Like Western eschatology has like supposes that there is a plan for us and that it is not random and that there is a that there is a reason for why it is happening that does that sort of thinking does not exist in what Japanese eschatology yeah. is today. Eastern Eastern theology did not have a Leibniz figure. Basically, it did not have a figure saying this is the best of all possible worlds. Everything happens for a reason. All of the suffering is related to um, is for the best. Like that. Right. That's that that's doesn't a, exist. It's a very Leibniz um, branching aspect of theology in the West that the East did not really have a figure like that. Right. And that's that's important to note. Because it explains a lot of differences. Cool. Let me ask you, 
What's the point of the old one? Why is the old one here? I I kind of like touched on that a bit what I thought when we were talking about like the beginning and the end of the world, but it just feels like if you have souls in the world then this, you know, and this opposite therefore has to exist. And that opposite is the old one that's consuming them. It feels very natural mm-hmm. in the same way that in um, the way that like Dark Souls explains the light and the dark. It's not like at the dawn of time, there was the light and the dark and they were locked in eternal struggle. It's that there's fire. And because of fire, you have light and dark because some things are bathed in fire and some things are not. So that's what it feels like to me. It's almost like this just naturally happened. Oh, so like on the one hand, you have an evil bully, Richie, and on the other hand, you have Sin. No, I was saying the opposite of that. (laughs) I was saying it's more like there is a podcast, and therefore on the podcast, there must be an evil bully and a precious flower to keep it moving. (laughs) There will always be a lighthouse. There will always be a man. But who can say who's who? (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Theomany Redgrave, do you guys have anything to add to that? Um, yeah, uh, if you, if you want to go back to the Yggdrasil comparisons, it's almost as if the old one is, and, and this kind of leads into, um, something that has been discussed many times throughout the years, which is Bloodborne as Demon Souls 2, um, initially, which is that, is this idea that the old one is the source of magic. It is the source of the soul arts because it sort of provides this link between uh, the material world and the metaphysical supernatural world. And then when the old one goes to sleep, when the old one goes away, magic fades from the world and is replaced with science, which the, the idea being that Bloodborne initially as Demon Souls 2 takes place after the old one has gone to sleep and magic has left the world and has given rise to an industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Thank you. So now I just want to quickly touch on the old one and how it fits in the world. Um, the old one is related to the soul's arts. Yes. How? Uh, the soul arts draw power from the soul, and it's not exactly clear what a soul is. Um, like they use the word soul, but it's not ever really explicitly stated if the soul is inherent to individual people, a la Western religion. Um, but it uses the soul as sort of a energy source. Uh, and this energy source comes from the old one, or at the very least, the old one is a conduit for it, quite literally in the case of the talisman of beasts. Um, in that the old one sort of channels this raw energy into power, which can be used for many different things, miracles or spells. Yeah. If we go back to our, like, Ahmed for answer thing, you've got the giant reactors, and the reactor is outputting power, but it's also outputting, like, the pollutant. So it's kind of like that. It's like a nuclear reactor, right? Yeah. Weird. Yes, it's almost as if that is an incredibly omnipresent, you know, thing in Japanese culture is nuclear power. And Four Answer still has people living Jetson yes, style in the clouds, right? 
Yeah, but it that it does that thing where the people living in the clouds are living in the clouds because of all the like because of the thing that is destroying right. the world. Like then they're, they're all interrelated concepts. And I mean, kind I was going to talk about this before, but like kind of like how Demon Souls has the different endings in Four Answer, you can also like you can protect those reactors, but it ends up like poisoning everyone. And you can also, you can undo it, but if you undo it, because you've undone the reactors, everything that's relying on them is now dead. So you're, you go down in history as the greatest monster that ever was, because you basically ended the world. But there's not like a correct, I mean, it's for answer. There's not actually a correct, you know, real, uh, there's not like the. Other than White Glint being the best. White Glint's White cool. Yeah. You feel like <laughs> shit just wanted it back. Yeah. Cool, thank you. And we talked about demons in detail in part one of Nexus is a Prison. So for more details, I'd recommend watching the first part. But could you tell me how is the old one and demons related? The demons kind of act as servants of the old one. But that's servants kind of not literally, but the demons kind of arise as a consequence of the soul arts is sort of how it's depicted. Because it's it's never really, what a demon is, is never really gone into in detail. But basically, as the soul arts return and as people start using them, um, the demons can kind of be seen as part of the pollution that is created as a result of people tapping into the soul arts. Yeah. We talked about this, like the first time where like um, some of the demons are things that are from myth and from memory that are sort of created, like they, the, the boundary between, you know, the real world and the world of the mind sort of breaks down and these things become corporeal. But also we talked about the, you know, they make it very obvious, at least in Boletaria, that the three, bosses the three um the the knights the lead um iron silver demons that you fight those are the three heroes of boletaria but that they're not physically the three heroes they are sort of idealized versions of them well that's one way of looking at it but like i think they like literally corporeally physically are them and they've just mutated into these monsters and that's why in the final that's why in one four you meet the three red phantoms because you killed their bodies. So now their souls are back, and the souls are defending because they mean you don't actually see the. Um, it's very confusing. Like we've talked, we talked about this like a few times. But also here. in in two two, you find the body of the big M, and then you find the flame yeah. lurker as two separate entities. And yeah. in three two, or not three two, in four two, you find the um the old hero. And you fight the old hero, his, yeah, his corpse buried, is yeah. still there, buried in the wall. Yeah. So I, I imagine that, yeah. and obviously it's not necessarily the same, but it's something that I would imagine to be the same with the Knights of Boletary. What, what I was getting at, though, is that if you, like, when you kill another player yeah. in um, uh, PvP, it calls yes. you a demon. So the way I took that is like if you the more souls you take in, and like Stockwell Thomas is warning you, like you have a heart of gold and let them take it from you. The more of these souls you take in, the more you will start changing. And eventually if you like 
you will become something other than human, which, which is, is doesn't happen to our character because I guess we're the slayer of demons and maybe it does happen to our character uh, if we choose to kill the maiden in black. And it does happen to King Alant. Yeah, that's the thing. It'll you, you see it happening to Alant. Um, I think it may have something to do with the fact that we are like the slayer of demons because this is this. We're going back to Bloodborne with Bloodborne as Demon Souls too. Um, the thing about the the blood echoes in that, and the way that the doll works is that like the way the blood echoes are like it's not blood lust per se. It's like you're gradually developing like a desire for blood. It's not overwhelming you. And then what the doll is doing is she is taking, that's the echoes, the echoes of blood. And she is taking the desire, um, the desire for the blood, the lust for blood out of you. And she's turning it into something else, which is why we don't go blood drunk. But once you're out of the dream and you don't have the doll anymore, you end up, you can end up like Eileen or, or Gascoigne or Henrik in that this thing is overtaking you. And I feel like that the slayer, the way that the souls are being used in, um, by the maiden in black is maybe different to the way that other people were using soul arts, and that's why we don't tip over into becoming a monster immediately. Until we kill her. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if we had just run around absorbing souls without her, we may have ended up like Alant or something like that. I was actually just looking at Alant's dialogue. He says, how did you defeat my precious demon? No human has an appetite for souls such as you. The rest is up to the old one. If it is yeah. to be, then you shall be back in feeding. Like he su- he thinks that you're feeding upon the souls all over the place which you are. here and there. Mm. But uh, which you are, which is a little bit different from how uh, Dark Souls ends up pivoting and Bloodborne echoes Dark Souls a little bit because uh, Dark Souls and Bloodborne are keying on the blood as a blood as a source of power sort of thing which is also a christian thing um because the uh bonfires are not you know full of wood they're full of bones and bones are what where blood is created and bone marrow and stuff and then you have bloodborne which also uses blood as a source of power um i referenced the uh reference the, the gospel song the power in the blood um, and dark souls 3 makes it like like that at the end just straight up has like yeah the dark soul is in your blood there is blood of the dark yeah. soul yeah blood, blood is where the power is which is a little bit different from how demon souls demon souls like uses kind of souls as like a as like a tuning fork or like a, a power source demon souls is much more metaphysical than bloodborne or dark souls and bloodborne and dark souls you can kind of look at it as like there's a there's a scientific component to a lot of what's going on in even in dark souls like yeah. Humanity as the dark soul, which gives mass and weight to, um, they're not called dreglin, to hollows, which turns them into people. And then you have the science of the fire and how it works and how it creates a dichotomy between life and death. And, you know, Bloodborne has, is, is very scientific. Demon Souls is much more spiritual and metaphysical and mystical in how everything kind of operates. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So now, can you please tell me about the fog and how it's related to the Great One? Uh, the Old One. Oh, yeah. It's under- <laughs> old understandable one. confusion. 
Um, the fog is produced by the old one. It's never. I don't believe it's ever really explicitly stated how the old one is producing the fog, but the fog comes from the old one as sort of, and we we touched on this earlier as kind of the pollution that is slowly covering the world and will sort of cause the end of life unless it is stopped. And the old one is, it's, it's this poison that is spreading over the world and uh, comes from the old one. And I, I don't really think there's ever too much gone into it other than like, you need, uh, I forget what it's called. Um, the, the stone that guides you in order to like, keep you safe. Oh, yes, guys, yes, you need that in order to yeah. keep you safe yeah. from the poisonous effects of the fog. Um, and then it kind of draws people, makes people go mad and, and kills them over time. It's similar, I guess, to the Red Moon in yeah. Bloodborne, where like the boundary between the worlds yeah. is blurring. And that's like, it's like parts of the land are vanishing and you also get the, you know, this thing was a story or a memory or something that is dead, but it's back again because our like, you know the the binaries about like real and not real and living and dead mm-hmm. are starting to fade Space away. And time no longer, and it shows it's yeah. it's Lovecraftian influence and in that like you know time is no longer you know time and Lordran is convoluted like that that kind of thing is going on now. Yeah. And sort of the the boundaries of reality and our concepts of of how space and time work are sort of fading away. Yeah, it's different from it's different from other other games where. The fog is like Lyle's life force keeping people out. It's keeping people out, but it's like a poison that is somehow how the the old one is sipping out souls out of people and feeding upon it to what uh, Alant wants ultimately for his world because he's sick of living. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you. Currently, the old one is under the nexus. Why is that? Uh, well, it's it's difficult to say, but it's kind of seemed to it's kind of implied that the old one is like you is kind of bound to the nexus and is kind of maybe not trapped there, but is sort of confined or or inherent to that space. And it's kind of It's yeah. a sort of Damocles reference. Uh, it's very literal. Yeah. To the extent of which a sword literally falls down uh, yeah. at the end. Yeah. But yeah, the idea of like it's there to contain something. Um this is actually this is because of the um the contest entry that I was helping out like discussing stuff with but um one thing that we realized and neither of us had noticed before is that the northern area where which sort of implied the nexus is um that's where you that's where the barbarians are and if you play as a barbarian you actually start with soul remains in your inventory which none of the other classes Mm. do so it's almost like there's just stagnant like remains of souls floating around that area i couldn't tell you for the life of me where it is but there's some something that that states or implies that the nexus is in the northern region i I don't remember what it is i think you've mentioned radio yeah but like the other thing that we we hit on that's actually really obvious is that old ones talisman is the talisman of beasts and 
we know from data mining that the northern area was the Beastman area. So, like, we started realizing, oh, this was actually all, like, linked up at one point, and we just never got it. The idea of, like, the beasts and the old one, and they're to the north where all the stagnant souls and the barbarians are. And we actually talk about um, the nexus, the location, and stuff like that in more detail in the first part of this podcast, as well as in another podcast with Loki that I'll link below. Okay. Cool. So in terms of the old one being underneath the Nexus, is it trapped there or something? Um, it can seemingly move around. Because it like it can be summoned and it appears. It's not like it's it's not held down like Dragon Goddess or something. It's it's like down there, but mm-hmm. it's like it, it does seem to be it's under there and it's it's like enthralled, at least to the Nexus. It it can't seemingly live i mean if it could well the other possibility is it just lives there <laughs> and it doesn't need to leave because no because all it has to do is just suck in souls all day it's like a like an anemone it just affixes itself to something and sucks in souls and you can go find it here's here's a crazy thought um because i'm known for my crazy thoughts i guess <laughs> thrones and crowns are a fascination for FromSoft. What if the crown for the old one is the Nexus, which also makes the sort of Damocles reference that it's making visually actually more prescient. It's like um, above where seated in his power, I saw conquest depicted in his power. There was the sharpened sword above his head that hung there by the thinnest simple thread. Chaucer, Illinus, 2026-2030. So, like... Where the Nexus is, is the old one, and you can't separate the two because the Nexus is essentially, like, the building of the Nexus is essentially the old one's crown. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that, that yeah, which kind of gets back to the whole, like, it's not like these are these forces that are fighting each other. It's just like, if there are souls, there must be an old one, and there must be something, you know, there must be a Nexus that contains the old one. It's just like, these things are all interconnected. Um, but we did talk about like with Loki that it it sort of looks like the nexus by which we mean like the temple area that we visit, maybe not the um the actual like like the area around the nexus might be important for some other reason, but um the temple itself looks like that that might be left over from the previous time this all happened mm-hmm. um. But then, like, you can just put, I mean, it's possible that, like, they they woke up the Monumental, so there's probably another temple there at that point that was also, and they've just built another one, or they've, like, refurbished it or something. In a, the same way to, like, when you look at Bloodborne, you just have all of these, like, layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of building that just goes up, where, like, the same thing has happened over and over and over again. And then in, you know, um, after we beat Bloodborne, this will just happen again, only it'll find the remnants of the Hunter's Nightmare instead of the Lauren Nightmare, and it'll just keep happening. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. So, one last thing. They talk about lulling the old one back to sleep instead of, like, destroying it. How come? Well, the old one is never... It's never... It's not really a malicious force. It's never really... 
depicted as being something that is cackling maniacally as it plots to destroy the world. <laughs> it, it's it's more of just this entity that exists and will destroy all of humanity. And you know, Saint Urbane refers to the voice as as that of a howling child. And then the maiden in black sort of soothes it and talks to it as if it's kind of a uh just sort of a, a weak animal. Because it's 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 not really a malevolent force. It's just this thing. It's an animal yeah. that is doing what animals do. It eats and it sleeps. It's a tree. Well, yes, it's a tree, but it's a, it's a, it's a tree yeah. whale. No, no, but I think th this is like, it's a tree, but like that's kind of a, a good way of looking at it because what trees are in the real world is like... They just feed. They just feed, but then they also, they take in carbon dioxide, they spit out oxygen. They don't like oxygen, but because they spat out oxygen, that's what allowed things to start yeah. living on the surface. So right. it's just, yeah, these yeah. So they didn't mean to do it, but they they actually like created kind of life as we know it as a result of just the process that they. And now we're killing the trees. So, ah, like the nightmare newborn. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, like the old one isn't the old one isn't like evil or whatever, and I, and I think that a lot of the lexicon you use in the game is created by the people who don't know any better, which is very similar to a lot of games. Like, the tree doesn't give a crap about evil and good, it just feeds. It just wants to feed. Yeah. Well, and it, and it goes back to the, the Lovecraft influence in, in what it is in, and in the influence of, of cosmic horror, which is just this idea that, like, these things don't care about you. You have no comparison to what they are. They are completely alien objects and entities to you. Yeah, they don't have a plan for you because you are not special. Right, just like you don't have a plan for, you know, the mosquito or uh, an ant. Like, it, this is a being that is that exists on a reality beyond your own. And it ties in with the idea of it being, like, the thing that consumes souls. Because Demon Souls presents the soul as, like, this is the seat of rationality. It's what makes people people. It's what, if you lose your soul, you become, like, an animal. So what the old one is, is like, it's likened to a tree, which is something that doesn't have any reason because it's a tree, but it's also likened to a child, like a baby, something that hasn't developed a sense of self yet. It's just operating on instinct, mm -hmm. which I think is right. very deliberate. Yeah. And Alant, Alant calls it straight up so that he can freaking eat his entire, his entire country so that every, like, to alleviate pain and suffering and stuff because Alant is, is suicidal he's succumbed to nihilism basically right. which is a, a common motivation for villains which is i've i've succumbed to nihilism and hopelessness and despair and so i will drag the world down with which is interesting because like if you take out starva on his word like a lot was a good king at one point he was good and proper and he well, worked diligently and stuff like that if you take if you take otstarva's words for it this is something that we've talked about before as well but i think like otstarva is correct from otstarva's point of view because he's a prince like if you're the prince meaning like well no but like well yeah he's kind of dumb but also <laughs> like if you're the prince you just see like the machinations of the court everything's running fine from where i am um, but also, right. if you look at the fact that aborted fetuses are being dumped in the yeah. Valley of the Fire, yeah, exactly. like, yeah. like or, things are not yeah. all great going on yeah. great in Bolitaria. The way that the Dregling merchant 
in one one, just so you don't miss him, is very explicit about saying, I don't actually care that there are demons running Boletaria because they're not worse than the nobility. So like neither of those characters are like from their own points of view, they're correct. Because if you're a prince, then the king running the court the way that you think it should be run makes him a good king. If you're a like peasant, it doesn't matter if the king it is doesn't matter. if you're a peasant. You're treated yeah. like shit regardless. Right. When when you look at the um the Middle Ages and when historians and anthropologists look at the peasants of the Middle Ages, um there was this very common thing, like the idea of a country and nationalism and pride in one's nation is a very new thing in the modern era. When you were a peasant in the 1200s, uh, one day this was your lord, the next day this guy was your lord, they were the lords, and you you didn't care about the politics of your country. You didn't have any kind of national identity. Um like, like all of that was stuff that was irrelevant to you. So when Ostrava, who is a pampered royal prince, who's also kind of an idiot. Also wearing stupid armor that is unpractical at all and makes him stand out like a sore thumb. <laughs> yeah, and he's wearing ceremony and he's using ceremonial weapons and shields that are replicas of, of things because he's a gilded prince. So when you have his point of view that like, ah, yes, these were the politics and I uh, went to, to Latria to study under the queen. It's like the, the peasant, the draglings don't care, <laughs> you know, um, and, you know, the, the draggling merchant goes as far as to say, like, what's the difference? My life is exactly the same. Uh -huh. Thank you. So thank you very much, everyone. And now we can move on to the Maiden in Black. So we meet the Maiden in Black in the Nexus. And she's the one that resurrects us basically after we die to either the Vanguard or the Dragon God. And she wears a cute black dress, a cape, some jewelry. She has a staff, bare feet, and there's also wax on her eyes. Do you have any theories why there's wax on her eyes? Um, it's, it seems to be more symbolic, which is that, like, she is a, a, a bound woman. She has been blinded. She is sort of, and the, she, she states that she's always been here. Like when you like, and the implication is that like, you know, you, you never hear your character talk, but when you have dialogue with characters, they mm -hmm. talk to you as if you're having a conversation with them. And, and so the idea is that like, you know, you are asking the maiden in black about herself and she's like, I've always been here. I, I don't know what you mean by, you know, mm -hmm. what was I doing before I came to the Nexus? It's like, no, 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 I, this is where I am. Um, and so she is the candle maiden and so candles and wax on the eyes and there's kind of a motif there of blinding oneself uh covering one's eyes in a way similar uh that they they do again in bloodborne and they do again explicitly with wax they do again in dark souls 3 um yeah um there's a, i have a couple of thoughts about it one her eyes are blinded so that she isn't distracted her third her third eye well, the third eye, isn't distracted from physical reality vision. 
That's one. Um, second one is she's the candle maiden, as as Redgrave pointed out. And if we go with the idea that of of mine that light is time in Dark Souls, that she is separated from light in a way that keeps her everlasting, even though she is she basically holds time in her hand via the candles. So th- there's two thoughts about it. Choose your own adventure. <laughs> cool. Thank you. And we know that the Maiden in Black is like one of the oldest, more powerful demons. Do we know how or why she became a demon? No. Mm-mm. No. Cool. <clears throat> <laughs> Um, there are two references, one with the, the Moonlight Greatsword and one with the Phosphorant Pole that refer to a witch in the sky. Some people link that and they believe that the witch in the sky is the maiden in black and that Lord Ridiel, who was like a, like, I think, and I think we talked about this when we, when we did the Tower of Latria, but like he was kind of depicted as, as having been like a trickster mm-hmm. uh, prince or something like that. And that he had an adventure where he went and he stole a magic uh, staff from a witch in the sky. And some people have, have linked that. I, but I don't know if, like, I, I don't personally think there's any real connection between the Maiden in Black and the mytho- mythological yeah. witch in the sky. Yeah, I mean, the, the um, idea is that Radiel's an adventurer. He's little Alant. What he steals from the witch in the sky is a phosphorescent pole, kind of like the Maiden in Black has. Nexus is floating in the sky. Alant finds the Nexus. So if you sort of like tied to it, it's like, okay, yeah. maybe Ridiel, he was the first of the like Alant clan to stumble upon the Nexus at some, like when he was adventuring in the Northern limits and he stole the pole. But like it, yeah, like you said, it's, it, it ultimately doesn't actually, it's loose and it doesn't really change anything. It's one of those like, yeah, it's one of those. It, it's one of those things, and this is my this is my response to a lot of of questions mm-hmm. in Bloodborne, in particular. Is like, it's like, does it matter? Like, I think actually, I think Rich, um, back when we used to, back when we used to have those conversations, because you were you were making um, yeah. like your own yeah. video and and stuff like that, and and you would come to me with an idea, and I and I would be like, okay, but so what? <laughs> Like, does it does it matter? That's very important for me with Dark Souls because, like, a lot of people were like, "What the time?" And I'm like, "Time does not matter in Dark Souls. Time doesn't exist in Dark Souls." Yeah, but that's that's more of a laziness on FromSoft. No, I don't <laughs> think it's laziness. I think it's very deliberate. I think it's very I deliberate because I think it's deliberately lazy. One of the all these <laughs> oh, things are yes. falling to pieces, and one of the things that's falling to pieces is the notion of like progress is the idea that things start and end so like no one's alive and no one's dead and also like there's no there's no this is just an eternal present where nothing ever dies and everything happens over and over again is like i think very deliberate yeah like, like when you're okay. when you're like a mortal you don't register time like normal people and like i said light is time in dark souls light being time and all that's a whole different discussion but like with demons like i just lost my my train of thought um yeah like the whole like light is time and stuff like that but like the whole looseness of the tenuous connections you can make with between ridiel and the witch in the sky and stuff 
When really, I kind of think the Witch in the Sky thing is a reference to Rudolfine in, in STA because mm. of, like Rudolfine's big thing is she's also grab- getting the staff because not Patches in the, in the Shadow Tower like stole her staff. <laughs> and, and she's like, get this staff back, god damn it. <laughs> like, and she's also a witch with a scythe because, you know, from soft women. Yeah, like, it's it's really tenuous, but it could just end up being a reference because FromSoft likes referencing themselves yeah. a lot. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the bottom line is, no, we don't know who the Maiden in Black is. We don't know where she came from. We don't know anything about her. Uh, but we do know that she used to be a powerful demon. Not just a powerful demon, the powerful demon. Yes, the <laughs> most the most powerful demon, actually. Um, which is what her, her soul like rather explicitly states is that like, oh no, all of the demons you fought are nothing compared to the maiden in black. So the the monumental, I believe it's the monumental states that it might be the crestfallen warrior. It's it's either him or the monumental who states that she is a prisoner of the Nexus just like you. And she actually has a, a nexial a nexial binding on her ankle. That's interesting. The Nexial binding can trap the most powerful demon. Yeah, it, whether it's it's a literal binding or a symbolic binding. Well, if we think of the, the Nexus as a crown for the Old One, it's symbolic of her being bound to the Old One. It's more like a mother and child relationship. She's more like a mother figure to the Old One. Kind of like how the doll is a mother figure to the player. Like the reason I say that is in, Brit- in the British monarchy, um, princesses cannot wear tiaras until they are married because tiaras are symbols of being crowned in god's love i did not know that are you saying the old one is a princess sure oh Oh my god okay i can i can i can feel your (laughs) smile why i don't answer questions like this anymore because it sets off all these chain reactions in her head she says i just have a vision and then i wake up the next day and it's on a mug no I, I have I have the Hunter Brutus mug, by the way. It's it's Aww, fantastic. I have yay. it right here on my shelf. People need to remember the sole reason Ibruitus exists is that Sin was trying to say Ibruitus while drunk, and then it just spiraled into this, now I'm frightened of doing anything, because it always ends up on a mug. Oh my god, but Richie, no, I have a really good idea. You know how there's a pixel animation of all of us in the Nexus? Is there? Is it in the Nexus yeah. now? Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, oh I my god, we have a Bloodborne yeah. animation now, we have a oh, Nexus animation now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so what I'm gonna do, and all of those are actually, all the pixel animations are drawn by Holdsworthans, and what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask him to add a little Chibi Great One in a crown, like, I'm so happy. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So basically they talk about lulling the old one back to sleep and it's the maiden in black that has to do it yes yeah. why well it's it's basically this thing like you can't destroy the old one you can't kill it it's too powerful so like what what do you do instead is you seal it away or you you brush it under the rug and you say that'll be someone else's problem <laughs> right like mm-hmm. it's it's this idea that you can't kill it. You can't destroy it. It is this eternal, omnipresent, all-powerful being. And so the maiden in black, her role is to care for it and just put it to sleep so that it doesn't destroy the world. Mm-hmm. 
until you wake it up again. And by it, I mean Filianor, and then light turns on again, and time keeps time moves forward in that final boss. So fight. stupid. <laughs> it's so bad. Man, they fucked up the story so bad. They didn't fuck it up so bad. It wasn't good to begin with. Oh, it was all right. It was all right to begin with, but boy, did they screw it up. Okay, thank you. You know how there is a couple of endings in Demon Souls? There, there are two. Literally so a exactly couple. A couple. Yeah. Literally a couple. <laughs> so can you just tell me what the possible endings are? Uh, yeah, so the first ending, which is the ending that most people will get, um, is where the maiden in black puts the old one to sleep, and then um, you leave, and the world is safe for another day, and then Bloodborne happens. The other ending is the one that Sage Frake plants in your head and suggests for you to do, which is that you, when the maiden in black is communing with the old one, she is not in the nexus anymore, which means it is the only time where she can be killed for real. Because if you kill the Maiden in Black at any time, she will simply get back up again. Um, because she's in the Nexus, she's bound to it, to, she's eternal. And if you kill the Maiden in Black, the implication is that you become the Old One's new Arbiter, the new Archdemon, and then you bring an end to the world. Cool, thank you. So finally, let me ask you, based on everything we talked about here today, what is the relationship between the old one and the maiden in black? Well, it's hard to say because there's very, very little given about the maiden in black. There's, there's more information given about the old one than there is about the maiden in black. But they're very much presented as sort of a mother and child relationship, not literally, as in the old one is not literally the maiden in black's child, but in the sense that she is a mother figure for it. So it's possible that this has to do with the first scourge. It's also possible that uh, the statue in the Nexus is a statue of the Maiden in Black, but we don't know because we don't, can't see her face. And so the, the exact relationship is never said. I mentioned this very early on, but there's kind of a, a fringe theory or a sort of a, a side theory that if the Old One is God and on the first day, man was granted a soul, and on the second day, um, a soul-devouring demon was placed. The maiden in black being quite literally a soul-devouring demon uh, is that she is the demon and the arbiter of the old one that is God. So that is kind of a, a possible idea that's kind of interesting to think about. There's no real evidence to support it, but it's an interesting idea. We we could point out that if you do kill the maiden in black and get her soul, you get soul literal a literal soul bell that lets you devour souls. It's what a lot yeah. it's what a lot does to you in the boss fight. Yeah, he levels you down, yeah, which is and, a hilariously sadistic mechanic that they have never brought back. Yeah, and uh, Mephistopheles can also do it, which I didn't realize until I was researching her. But are you are you sure about that? She has a very limited number of times, but she can, like, soul-sucker you, I think, two or three times per fight. You have to let her, though. Like, it's difficult to actually... Oh, yes, because yeah. that is uh, one of the ways that people level down for PvP back in the day. Mm. 
I remember now because back in the day, um, PVP was typically done around around seventy five to one hundred. Yeah. And so one of the things you would do is you would play through the game normally to get your scraping spear, <laughs> and then you would mm-hmm. and then you would level yourself down with Mephistopheles. Yeah, level draining and the scraping spear never brought back again. So I was not I was not the asshole in in three two with the scraping spear, but. <laughs> Uh, I was, but it was hilarious every time, <laughs> like hilariously evil. Oh, the fucking scraping screen. <laughs> well, can't wait to see that come back again. <laughs> I can't wait to use the Morion blade and the clever rat ring to one shot people with northern regalia. I can't wait to dupe all my souls and be totally OP. I hope that they bring back the JPEG of the cat. That was The Nexus is a Prison, episode two of three, which we covered The Maiden in Black and The Old One with our very special guests, Redgrave and Theomini. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure as always. Theomini, can you tell us where people can find you on social media? Um, there's a few different places at Angel No Moon on Medium and Twitter at you slash on YouTube. Theomini pretty much everywhere else. Uh, you can find my Discord pinned on my my Twitter account if you want to join me ranting about trees, the sun, and maybe <laughs> even the moon. Aww. Thank you. And Redgrave, can you tell us where people can find you on social media? Sure. If you want to find my Bloodborne stuff, you can pretty much just Google Redgrave Bloodborne and you'll find pretty much everything there is, no problem. I have no current plans for uh, more Bloodborne or Soul stuff in the future, but it's it's always a possibility. Um, the only real social media I have is Twitter, which is uh, at DMC underscore Redgrave, and I mostly just post about FGC stuff or about my random thoughts on games. Um, and recently I have uh, been streaming a little bit. So if you like uh, fighting games, then you can find my stream it's just dmc redgrave twitch.tv slash dmc redgrave uh where i play guilty gear which is my favorite uh, fighting game franchise and um yeah I, I i've been streaming like twice a week uh for a couple of hours at a time so if you if you are a fighting game fan you can find me there awesome thank you well again thank you so much for coming both of you And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll see y'all next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye.